Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Mark Normand. He's a podcaster, an actor, and a comedian. Mark grew up in a rundown New Orleans bed and breakfast with a cross-dressing manager. Fertile ground for becoming one of the most popular, hardest-working, and fastest-growing comics in America then. But why is it so important to have a pursuit that you care about if you're going to do other seemingly unrelated hard things? Expect to learn the price that you pay for being a famous comedian, why Mark's life would fall apart if he didn't have a passion to care about, whatever happened to that lady who tweeted about AIDS on a plane to Africa, whether Cocaine Bear will be given the Oscar nomination it sorely deserves, whether bombing on stage changes your personality, and much more. It was rather difficult to hold it together in front of Mark. The guy is... Uh, never serious, but I actually managed to get some serious stuff out of him today, and I very much appreciate his dedication to the craft and the focus and level of attention that he brings to his calling in life. It's very, very cool to see and super inspiring. In other news, this episode is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is the best fitness tracker that I have ever found. It has a proven ability to drive positive behavioral change by giving you gentle nudges in the app to take on more sleep or to take on more strain. Whoop members dramatically improve their habits and therefore their health. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, your Whoop is tracking everything that you do, your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your blood oxygen levels, your galvanic skin temperature, how many wake events you've had during the night. It feeds all of that out into a very simple app that gives Gives you easy, actionable advice that helps you to move your health in a better direction if you are looking to make a big change in the new year with your fitness, with your health, with your overall longevity. This is a great place to start. And you can join for free, pay nothing for the brand new Whoop 4.0 strap, plus you get your first month for free, and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can buy it for free, try it for free, and if you do not like it, after 29 days, they'll give you your money back. Head to join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. That's join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. In other, other news, this episode is brought to you by MyProtein. They are the number one sports supplement company on the planet, literally the biggest in the world, and their Clearway is something that you absolutely need to try out. It is my favorite product from them. Light and tasty protein, looks and tastes like juice, but it has more protein in than a normal protein shake. They even have a vegan version if you are vegan, so you can get in on the vegan Clearway action. Their food, their apparel, all of their snacks, their sports supplements like creatine and pre-workouts, all of them are available worldwide with worldwide shipping, and you can get 37% or greater discount on everything site-wide. Go to bit.ly slash proteinwisdom. That's my super secret product page with all of the products that I use and recommend myself. And that unlocks my discount, Modern Wisdom, all one word, which you can use at checkout to save 37% or greater off everything. And in final news, this episode is brought to you by House of Macadamias. House of Macadamias have partnered with 94 independent farmers, forming the single largest producer in the world, which gets them the first pick of the highest quality macadamia nuts in the region to make their one-of-a-kind snacks, like their vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly chocolate-dipped macadamias. They really took their time to get these right with over two years of taste testing. They've got sweet, they've got salty, they've even got spicy ones. You might not know this, but macadamia nuts are one of the most special 
special nuts in the world because they take five to 10 years to grow and are booming in demand thanks to their nutrition and health benefits, like having a very low carbohydrate profile and being the only nut rich in omega-7s, which have a long list of benefits. Also, you can get 20% off your first purchase if you go to houseofmacadamias.com slash modernwisdom. If you are a nut lover, this is something that you absolutely need to try out. Head to houseofmacadamias.com slash modernwisdom and use the code MW20 for 20% off your first purchase. That's houseofmacadamias.com slash modernwisdom and MW20 at checkout. But now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mark Normand. Mark Norman, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Boy, these thighs are magical. I got them out for you. I love them. Oh, I want to put honey on them and <laughs> eat them. Look at this. And the guns uh, and the hairline. My God, the hairline. <laughs> Look at that thing. It's, it's perfection. What can I say? Uh, speaking of honey, cocaine bear. Have you heard of cocaine bear? I know. I think is that gay porn? No. <laughs> Hottest movie trended on Twitter yesterday based on a real story. In November 1985, a hunter discovered a dead 175-pound black bear mm. in Chattahoochee National Forest. Nearby was a duffel bag that had originally contained roughly 75 <laughs> pounds of cocaine. Oh, the man. unfortunate animal had apparently gotten into the blow and overdosed, later dubbed Pablo Escobar, I or simply Cocaine Bear. And now they're making a movie about it. Oh, I hope Pixar's all over this. <laughs> By the way, that's 85 before fentanyl. You know... <laughs> That bear would have been dead in two seconds, but he, at least he probably had a good run around the forest with that coke. Yeah, I know. But yeah, that's the thing, dude. You know, you've got to scrape the barrel. If you're not going to do more reduns of Top Gun, mm. <laughs> bears taking cocaine. That's what's happening next. That's gold. I love it. And nobody gets hurt. You can't cancel anybody. It's fun. He's already bear's a black bear. We're being inclusive. <laughs> Sorry, what'd you say? The bear's not very happy. No, no. But you get a bear, you know, he won't really do coke in the movie. Yeah, it'll be fake Coke, and it'll also be a fake bear. Apparently, he's on display. The guy, it's been, what's it called when you do it? Taxidermy? Yeah, taxidermy cocaine bear. Whoa. Serious shit. Still got the white stuff on his <laughs> muzzle and everything. Damn, that's awesome. Good for the bear. Yeah, I think he had a good time. Um, he another thing. happy. Like, he went out like Rick James. <laughs> I remembered that tweet from that lady a few, it was about 10 years ago. Do you remember she, there was some lady that was flying to Africa? Oh, yeah, the AIDS lady. Fuck, dude, that story came back up again. What? I just, I, it resurfaced. Someone was reflecting it because it's nearly 10 years since it happened. Sure. And that was still, that was like cancellation before cancellation was right, a thing, really. Right. So for the people that don't know, this lady was flying to Africa, South Africa, I think, and tweeted, um, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white. And she got on the plane with a life and a career and got off the plane and it was all gone. Yeah. Poor gal. That's not a bad, that's not that bad. There's a lot of AIDS in Africa, uh, not really amongst the whites. I mean, if you go with the statistics, I'm with her. <laughs> hey, you know, it's a funny joke, but uh, that should be a miniseries. Like HBO, you know, like Black Mirror and all that. How about all the true cancels throughout the last, you know, get Kramer in there, 
Get uh, the AIDS lady. Get Roseanne. Remember the ambient tweet? Wow. That That would be be interesting. That would be good. Each one is a different character. Each one is a different story. Cancellation through the ages. Exactly. See what they had and see what they lost. Roseanne had the biggest show on Netflix. That went away. You know, that's fun stuff. Mm. It seems like, I mean, is there anyone, Trump gone, now back? There's no one really that's too big to to topple, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone that's outside of the cancellation verse? Chappelle seems pretty uh, invincible. Yes, he's quarantined somehow. Yeah, I don't know how. I think he just doesn't care, and he's a cool black guy, and he, he sells out everywhere. If you have the capital, you can kind of beat it. I lied, J.K. Rowling. Ah, there's another one. Capital. She's a zillionaire. Yes, I think ability to earn people money is just a protective mechanism, right? Huge. Like, why would you kill a golden goose? Right, right, yeah, which is kind of fun because it shows how much bullshit a lot of this is because they're like, yes, that's horrible. Oh, wait, ching, 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 you know. <laughs> Let's not say it about her. Let's not say it about him. Oh, he doesn't, how much is he net per year? 10 mil? No, yeah, we can get rid of him. Exactly. Yeah, Alec Baldwin's still working. Wow. Fuck, dude, that's insane. Uh, that's a, talk about a life changing like that. Bro. Brutal. Poor guy. <laughs> well, He's back on filming the same movie. Is he? Yeah. Oh, man. Imagine that one year, finally we get back to set. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jeez, I hope they got a new um, prop guy. You know, that gun guy, whoever that was, or that lady. Ah. Fuck, dude. I mean, that's that's one of the wildest, one of the wildest. And that's just gone. You know, that's just like in the past. And that, that feels like it was the same as the AIDS lady 10 years ago now. Right. But it's not. Yeah, there was a big one in New York, uh, Central Park, right when BLM was really cooking. There was a lady who yelled at a black guy about a dog. Did you yes, hear about I that remember, one? I remember. I saw she was on a podcast. She's living in Sweden, somewhere super far away, and just had to start a whole new life. She had to quit her job, move out of her apartment. Her family got doxxed. You know, they got yelled because at. Because of that one video. The one video, the whole thing. And she's like, she explained her side of it, and you're kind of like, Wow, we were really hard on that lady. What was her side of it? Basically that uh, the black guy knew what he was doing by calling the cops and being and saying what he was saying. And she's like, no, if you listen to the video, she's like, there's an African-American here. Like, She's even calling him an African-American. She's not like, there's a black guy, yeah. you know? And then she said, it's not my first run-in with that guy. And that guy had a lot of other people who hated him. So he was like a menace to other people. But those people were too scared to chime in because they didn't want to get killed, you know, so... I'm not saying she's completely innocent, but I am saying there's more to the story. There's always more. Nuance is the new N-word, I always say, because we don't like we don't like nuance. We go good guy, bad guy. That's it. Yeah. And like Martin Luther King hated gays. Did you he? know? Yeah, he's super religious, Southern Baptist. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think as soon as you you've got character limits on whatever you're gonna do on the internet, you're inevitably going to Tamp down the resolution that you can look at shit through, right? Totally. Like, you haven't got the space. You literally do not have the physical space. But what that does is it creates a sort of a feedback loop of people not wanting to think in anything more descriptive than 240 characters. Right. It's like, not only is that the platform, but it then sort of informs the style of thinking and the depth of thinking that people have. Yeah, completely. And it's just written there. You can, you can take it from there and put it other places. Whereas a, a comedy set... Sure, you're getting laughs and you're saying the same exact thing you might say on Twitter, but it's loosey-goosey and there's people laughing and it's a context. With Twitter, it's just right there in the cement dried. Bro, everybody on the planet is probably 
80 characters away from completely ending their life. Completely. I wonder, I want to know what is the fewest number of characters that it's taken <laughs> for somebody to completely destroy themselves? Well, I mean, the N-word is five letters, right? That's pretty quick. That's quick. Yeah. Maybe F-A-G is quicker. That's three. Yeah. I don't know whether you, would you get full on canceled for the F-word, do you think? Probably not. If you just not. did that? Probably not. It'd have to be in a context. Yeah. Right? And you guys with the cigarettes... That might give you a little more leeway. Difficult, yeah. Well, people still say that, like, consistently in the UK. Just, oh, really? Well, I'm just going to pop out. If I'm from the north, so we'd say tab. Pop out for a tab, ah, instead, tab. Of a, instead of a that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly, nearly stumbled into it. Yeah, it's... um Retard, I think, is back. Dude, I had a fascinating conversation about the word retard. Mm. So, uh, moron, cretin, imbecile, uh, and idiot. All had previous medical connotations. Uh, Queen Mary II, mm. her two cousins were uh, categorized as cretins at birth, kept in this special tower. No one attended the funeral. No one knew where they Whoa. went. And the, it just happens to be that this one word, like it's kind of arbitrary. Like why, why pick that word? Yeah. What's the problem with that one? And right. it seems like the reason for the problem is that it became popular. Yes. You know? But you would hear, I don't know, like cretin or moron or imbecile, is the sort of thing that like a slightly spicy news anchor would throw around as their their form of being able to call some. you know, Donald Trump's being such a cretin with the way that he's... But no one thinks about that, even though all of the words kind of came from the same place. That is fascinating. I think you're right. And also, the short the shortening of a word bothers people. You know, like, if you say, he's, retar- he's mentally retarded, people go like, oh, okay, that's a little nicer. But if you go, he's a retard... You shorten it from all those to two syllables. Mm. Something about shortening a word, like uh, I'm sure there's another example. Like homosexual, totally fine. Homo, bad. Uh, People don't like the shortening. I think that it's it makes it feel like more of a pejorative. Yes, right. That's what it is. You would use the shorter version. Maybe it's also indicative of the fact that you maybe throw the word around quite a lot. Yeah, so I gotta, I gotta be efficient if I'm gonna say it a lot of the time. Right, <laughs> right. I guess so. But it's weird because the opposite is with names. Like you got Gregory, but you call him Greg. That's a nickname. So it's weird if you shorten a name, we love you. If you shorten a term, we hate you. Mm. Well, yeah, I do want to do. I want to. I want someone to do a study where they look at what is the smallest number of characters that it's taken someone to cancel themselves on Twitter. Yeah, that'd be great. And then you could have a chart. You could, oh, you could have like a leaderboard. Uh, I love it. Like this guy's currently running at 15 characters. How amazing. <laughs> and then someone comes in with a 14 and the whole world loses it, minds. That's a fun time. That should be in the Olympics. <laughs> that would spice it up a little more. The ratings aren't great. Yeah, man. So I'm pretty new in Austin, though. So it's it's relatively uh, getting used to everything here, getting used to the new terminology and learning how to communicate with you guys, despite the fact that it's the same language has been something that's been a little bit of a learning curve. That being said, Austin's kind of subsumed my personality now so i play pickleball i have an ice ice tub (laughs) everything i've gone full full austin do podcasting shorts yeah good for you and but you gotta remember this is still texas like you go to new york it'll be different or la it's different culture and conversations and words you can't say this is still yeehaw no abortion Speaking of that, the uh, the Karen lady that you spoke about, I got shouted at on the pickleball court yesterday by a lady walking her dog for celebrating too loudly. She said wow. that it was a park and it was supposed to be a peaceful place. Oh. So, yeah, the they, they Karen thing's continuing. They can't really complain about the masking so much anymore, so perhaps they've transmuted that onto something else. I don't know. I love the irony of being a peaceful place, but she's 
combating with you. You know, like what a cunt. Get out of here. Also, the the whole Karen thing and the uh, kind of social justice thing are starting to kind of cross a little bit. How do you mean? Well, the Karen people are like, hey, don't celebrate like that. And then, you know, some social justice people are like, hey, don't say that word. They're very similar. I, I would also say that a lot of uh, social justice people are very similar police who they claim to hate. You know, they're policing. Don't say that. You can't think that. You can't take a photo with that guy. Don't hang out with him. It's very police-like. Mm, despite and the fact that they're also trying to run that defund. back. Defund, yes. yeah. So that's, and there's also very Trumpy, very dictary. Like you see some lady with blue hair and she's like, hey, d- shut this down. This can't happen. Blah. And you're like, whoa, easy, sister. We're just trying to have a good time. Very Trumpy. I do wonder why, whether it's someone trying to compensate for a lack of control in their own life. I don't know. It's strange. Yeah. It's strange why someone would lean into that that style of authoritarianism. I do get the sense that it's people that feel like they don't really have much control or don't want so. to lean into control. Yes. So they try to control everybody else instead of taking control of themselves. I yeah, mean, and now they have this this uh, stance of like, well, I'm doing good, you know? Like she's she's saying, hey, quiet down. This is a peaceful place. In her mind, she's the the winner. She's the, the, the morally superior. Mm. So they use that as this weird way to to win. Mm. Even where's, though they're just uh, controlling. Where's home for you? Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm boring you here. No, no, no. no. Uh, um, New Orleans. I'm born born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, and then I'm, I've been in New York for like 15 years. Is that a, I can't pick up on American accents yet. So if you got, is that New Orleans, the I'm, accent? I've been that? told I don't sound like, I got a weird voice, but I don't think <laughs> I sound Southern. Southern's like, how y'all doing? You know, a lot of Southern Southerners in Texas, obviously. Uh, hi. Hi. How is everybody? You know, but uh, I don't know. I, I think I never liked it growing up, so I maybe subconsciously skewed away. Why? What was childhood like? Uh, it was fine. It was weird, but uh, I just hate the Southern accent. It wouldn't work for me. But I grew up in a weird, I had a weird upbringing. I don't know if you really want to dive into it there. It's All right. So uh, when I was about eight or seven or eight, my parents got a wild hair up their ass and bought an old mansion in a poor black neighborhood. And I'm talking holes in the floor, you know, no windows, creaky uh, termites, uh, stray cats. And the neighborhood was horrific. It was like a third world neighborhood. And we fixed it up and they made the back half of it a bed and breakfast because it was so big. This house was so big that we couldn't live in all of it. And they needed income for because they were fixing the place up. So we would like you know, have traveling businessmen and bands come through and uh, random people coming to New Orleans. And then we got a housekeeper who is a transvestite. So not only are we living in this shitbox <laughs> mansion in this horrific neighborhood where everybody hates us because we're the white family, but we have people coming in and out who are rando people staying at the B&B. And then my nanny or whatever you want to call him housekeeper is wearing a wig big black guy wig high heels and a dress while mopping wow yeah don't worry i've already pitched the show to eight networks and they all <laughs> said no but it was it sounds weird but that was normal to me um were you working were you somehow were you the, the maid were you cleaning in some capacity well, I, was, I was so young i was going to school and then i would come home and skateboard and you know play play i would play basketball in the parlor because it was so big i'd put a hoop up on the wall and then he was uh he was he taught me my dad was a workaholic so enos was the guy's name he taught me how to drive a stick he taught me how to fist fight he taught me how to shave he taught me how to put the seat up all the so i learned how to be a man by this guy in a wig 
And uh, now I can't get an erection unless I see a picture of RuPaul. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, um, yeah, true story. But that would have been, I'm going to guess, not somebody identifying as a different gender. That no. would have been, like, whatever, 80s to 90s cross-dressing. Cross-dresser, that's what it was. And he would do burlesque at night with, like, a big boa you know, and dancing and kicking and all that. Mm, cabaret's interesting, man. Cabaret's a group of people, like some of the most sexually active men in the world. Like I've been around a bunch of different cabaret acts. And oh, yeah. Some of the guys that go up there and do that have got all of the outgoingness <laughs> that you would expect with sort of a theatrical performer. Yes. You know, they've got that whole thespian side, but then they've still got the super drive. A lot of them are gay. And right. they've got the, the superb drive of somebody that wants to have sex with with a lot of other people as well. Yeah, completely. I mean, well, who's more free than those people? I mean, we're sitting here doing push-ups and uh, trying to get a dick pump going and drinking, you know, eating blue chew. Those guys are just comfortable. I'm I'm jealous of their comfort. Yeah, it's um thinking about gay relationships and the fact that there's no gatekeeper. It's like just two protagonists, you know? <laughs> like there's That's no, so true. It's just two people that on average want to say yes more than you would do in a normal heterosexual relationship. Yeah, man, that's the dream. <laughs> I mean, if I was a lady, I would be so, I would be embarrassed by how hard it is to fuck me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like silly. Women get horny. Obviously, women are super horned up and sexy and hot and they look great in bed, but... It's so, you got to like wine and dine and conversation where, where guys are like, you want to go put your dick through this hole in the wall and I'll blow it, you know, <laughs> like it's just so much, le- it's like you said, it's like less gatekeeping, but I get it that women have, that men are scary. We're much more aggressive and all that. So they have to watch out for that, which I get, but come on, ladies, the clock's ticking, you know, we, we could have skipped this whole movie and just eating each other out. <laughs> Ryan Long's got this bit in his new act where he says, uh, I had a, a Trump supporter, a gay Trump supporter in the front row. And it's strange, you know, because Trump supporter, but he's also gay. So you don't always see that. He's the kind of guy that would like to build a wall, but then put a glory hole in. <laughs> That's a great joke. <laughs> Fucking brilliant joke. That's a great joke. I love it. Yeah. That's what's great about comedy. This weird thing happened and his weird brain got cooking and he made this cake of a joke. Is there a comedy scene in New Orleans? There is. It's small, and it's there's not really a comedy club there. You need a club that'll really, like, be the base, you know? But uh, the problem with Comedy New Orleans is it's it's already such a party city, and people go there to get fucked up, have a bachelor party, go to Mardi Gras Jazz Fest. So comedy, it's like, we don't want to sit and listen to a guy talk about anxiety, you know? Like, we want to go get shithoused. And comedy is a lot of it is built through pain and all that. And I think people are there to live it up. And so they don't want to hear a non-famous person talk about comedy or talk about Uber. Yeah, well, I suppose if you're walking down Bourbon Street and you've got loud music, loud music, loud music, sad story, loud music. Loud, it's like, mm, the sad story, probably not that competitive. Yeah, exactly. It's it's tits. You know, you're going to go past the tit place to watch a guy <laughs> uh, go, oh, my aunt's a cunt, you know. <laughs> So it's hard to it's hard for comedy to thrive there. There was one country music bar that I noticed on Bourbon Street in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and I did notice that there was a significant difference in the sort of clientele between that and <laughs> jazz bars on either side. It's yeah, like, ah, interesting. Sure. You got to have your every place has their embassy. You know, black people are like we feel safe here, and then rednecks are like this is our spot, and then you know, the rest of us. 
Bourbon Street and Beignets at that place. It's open 24 hours. Cafe du Monde. That's it. Unbelievable. Very I, good. Yeah. That, that, that powdered sugar all over you. You yeah. look like the cocaine bear. That's the cocaine. That's, maybe that's where he went. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it was a plan for someone to put the 75 pounds of cocaine next to him, and it was actually a bunch of beignets, and he just <laughs> left it. Dude, I went to uh, New Orleans a few years ago, and it was just before 2019, just before some sort of storm came through. And there was a dude, a homeless guy, you know, the steps just up and down from Cafe du Mont toward, yeah. and you can kind of, like, people must jump in pretty regularly, I'm going to guess, into the river. Yeah. And uh, this dude was jumping in, and we were like, bloody hell, like, this guy's kind of intense, and he was sort of a homeless guy, and he was talking slash verbally fighting with these kids that were kind of taking the piss out of him. Anyway, there was a news story that went viral two weeks later during a hurricane of um, crazy New Orleans man jumps into river in the middle of hurricane and it was the same dude wow couldn't believe it there you go i was like this guy well that's also what's great about the internet is like 20 years ago that guy would just be a nut job yeah now he's a star now he's a star now he's got his own only fans (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh speaking of that you remember the cash me outside girl of course and she's now one of the number one only fans girls in the world apparently crazy dude that's that's why the female privilege but all right the lady that was doing dog walking mr pivot Ah, all of this traffic. Good point. Could have monetized it. Good point. Yeah, OnlyFans is a beautiful thing for that reason. You know, because these ladies can really, really have an empire. Maximize on one opportunity. If I was the AIDS lady, I would do an OnlyFans. Right. Okay. You know, and hey, do race play as well. Yeah. Like I'd do African. I'd fuck an African guy with AIDS. You know, fake it, but that would be fun. Have you seen? Do you know Adam Twenty Two? He does the No Jumper podcast. Yeah, Big Dong. Yeah. Yeah. He. Have you seen his new thing that he does? Mm-mm. So I'm pretty sure. I might be getting this wrong. Pretty sure he's got a podcast that's only on OnlyFans. So he's got No Jumper, which is his one that exists on the normal internet. Then he has another one on OnlyFans where him and his wife or partner sit down and have a conversation with another girl. Mm. and then fuck her. Whoa. That's 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 the thing. That's it. Right. So it kind of always finishes the same. It's kind of like, I don't know, like a really old version of Magnum P.I. or something, or Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah. like, you knew it was that person all along. I know how it's going to end. Oh, that's fun. Uh, but that's the thing. So uh, obviously this is what's intended to be done today as well. So. <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> I haven't shaved back there, but that's a great idea. Boy, we live in a fat... I mean, look, this, these times we live in have horrific things too you get yelled at on twitter you get doxxed you get this and that but there's also some beautiful stuff going on ingenuity yes with the good it's like fire you know it could burn your house but it could also warm your house why new york from new orleans just for comedy comedy yeah it's you gotta there's such a low ceiling in new orleans for comedy so i had to move to new york Mm -hmm. and that's still center of america do you think for comedy yes i think so and it's just i've always wanted to live there it's a cool it's the coolest place in in the world i think and uh new york's kind of like a video game where you have to just keep going or you'll die and i need that in life what do you mean well like i moved to new york i got mugged three times in a year my landlord died of aids shout out to the lady and then uh i i got bed bugs so it's like this city that's it's almost like the ocean. It just keeps trying to push you out and you gotta learn how to live on, on an island. How's that how, how does that help with anything? That sounds well, terrible. It, it keeps me fresh. I'm such a lazy cum guzzling douche. I will sit down with my feet up and do a, a barrel of blow and mushrooms and watch Netflix and order in. So I need the treadmill to be on or or else I'll just slip away. Ah, uh, okay. So you need 
the world to inject some difficulty into the life or else you're just going to continue to be comfortable. Yeah, yeah, that's why I got married. <laughs> totally uncomfortable. But, you know, you keep trying shit. You know, they, they always say discomfort is key. Mm-hmm. You get too comfortable, you just start to deteriorate. I think you're supposed to like, kind of choose the discomfort, though. It's not supposed to be bed bugs and a yeah, but landlord again, dying of a... I'm so lazy that I won't choose it. So I need the city to do it for me. I see, I see. Also, it's kind of like an abusive relationship. You know, you meet these guys and they keep dating these psycho gals or you keep meeting these women who keep dating these abusive men. You're like, what are you doing? It's a little like that with New York. I just can't get away from it. You keep coming back to it. I'm Rihanna with Chris Brown. (laughs) I keep going back. Talk to me, for someone that isn't, uh, how do you say, inducted into the world of performing on stage in front of a ton of people, what... Have you learned from bombing on stage in front of people? Because I've heard you say that you're an introvert. Yes. And as a compatriot introvert as well, the idea of not only being on stage, which I think I would, I've done before and I get past, but it really failing in a pretty sort of majestic way. Yeah, it um, hurts. What does that do to you as a person in terms of learning about whatever, yourself or the world or insecurities? Well, it's a great question because, but that's what's beautiful about comedy is it's it's real. You know, it's it's much like sports where if you don't throw the ball right, it won't go in the basket. It's the same with comedy. If it's not funny, they won't laugh. And if it is funny, they'll laugh. And there's something great about that reality. That's what I love. But also, I'm such a nut job and I have weird thoughts and maybe my childhood, I was outcast a lot and a weirdo and all this that I think stand-up, you get to say your thoughts, and if you package them the right way, it'll make a room full of people happy. And I think that's what keeps me going. And I get to go, how how weird can I get? How how fucked up can I get? And have them stay with me. And then that's a thrilling thing. And uh, the bombing, to answer your question on that, I you know, we're all insecure in our own way. And when you bomb, it validates every sick, twisted, dark thought you ever had. You're boring. No one likes you. You don't deserve love. You shouldn't be up here. They're right. Everything they're thinking is right. And you just crumble. And so getting good at stand-up is being able to beat that. And then you, you win. But when you're talking about trying to inject discomfort into your life, that seems like a about as much discomfort as I could think of. It's totally. shy of being set on fire. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. A bunch of strangers hate you, <coughs> but you can beat it. And you, so you get better at stand-up, and it motivates you to get good at it. Mm. I wonder, has it, do you, have you found that it's changed your personality? Have, uh, mm. Do you take anything from outside of comedy? You know, as someone, again, introverted, you go through these nightly for 15 years, 20 yeah. years, or whatever it is. You go through all of these challenges, and it's always this specter in the background. There's a dating show in the UK called Take Me Out, mm. and it's where a guy comes down this lift, and all of the girls press their lights, and it's sort of the the fear of every man that they would get a blackout and that no girl would want them, and it's sort of that Oh wow! permanently on repeat every single, sometimes yes. multiple times per night if you're doing spots. Yes. Uh, that, that has to impact... I don't know, the way you see the world, the way so. that you act outside of comedy, or does how much of a crossover is there between your normal life and your stage life? They're pretty similar. I think most comics, are we're just hardwired so young that we can't get out of this. That's probably why we're, we have a uh, every comic, you know, you got the fat guy, you got the black guy, you got the loud guy, you got the quiet guy, you got the dark guy, you got the clean comic. That's all imprinted in us pretty young, I think, so... Um, it doesn't really change your personality. The only way it has changed is it gives you some meaning. 
You know, like I was always a wandering through life guy. Should I be a waiter? Maybe I'll work at a hotel. Should I be a UPS guy? Hey, a mailman? That seems pretty good. So now with stand-up, I'm like, I have something to work towards. And then you you do a special. And then you go, I need a new special. So then, it, you know, it keeps you rolling that ball up a hill. Otherwise, I would be rudderless. I see these guys on heroin under the bridge. I'm like, I get it. That would have been me. Yeah. If, if not for comedy, that would have been me. Totally. Totally. I mean, if anything, I'd be like working in a warehouse or something, you know, like just with a forklift. But I get the heroin guy. There's a lot of hours in the day. There's a lot of bad thoughts. Uh, you know, we're, opioids are through the roof. It's like the number one killer in America. We're obsessed with every other thing except for that. I don't know why no one cares about the opioids, but it's just because, hey, I'm home. I'm sick of everything. Let me pop this pill. I was thinking about uh, some of the prices that comedians have to pay. I'm fascinated by the the sort of unseen price that people pay for the lifestyle that other people admire. <laughs> so, you know, a, a working comedian who has got specials and a platform and people care about what it is that you do and so on. And then this upcoming comedian, or maybe even someone that doesn't understand the comedy world at all. Um, I've seen enough of my close friends that are working comedians now and understood a good bit about the lifestyle to know that it's it's not really I, you have to be very very disciplined I think to live the life of a comedian in a way that doesn't have a ton of potential externalities that are pretty negative mm. it seems like everybody in the green room is constantly drinking you're doing late nights you're on the road <laughs> yeah good bit of loneliness yes um, I mean you're friends with Constantine and Francis from the UK oh, yeah. right, from trigonometry and uh, I heard about because the UK's sufficiently small that you can drive everywhere to do your shows, mm. right? So they basically described this sort of nocturnal lifestyle permanently in cars, driving to and from when they're on the doing the the, the circuit and mm-hmm. maybe just a 10 to 30 minute little spot or whatever. They're not actually doing full shows. They're just bouncing around the country. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah. That's what I do. And isn't that the best? To me, that's the best job in the world. You get to just go places, pop in, do the thing you're the best at, and then leave. Does it not get lonely? I'm a loner. I like being alone. Like, I have a great lady at home. She's the love of my life, yada, yada. But, like, when I'm on the road, I'm like, ah, I'm sleeping till noon. I'm jerking off. I can eat ice cream. (laughs) And I need that. I, like, recharge. And I come back, and I'm whistling, walking in the door. Hey, honey, good to be home. And she's the opposite. She's like, I was here all weekend alone. I wanted to kill myself. And I was like, oh, I love being alone. I love sitting in a diner. I got a podcast going. I'm eating eggs. Looking out the window, that's the dream. Good. So given the fact that it seems like um, you're striving to do excellent things, you want to be better at your craft and you want to do a better hour or a better 10 minutes or a better even just individual joke, do you find that the lifestyle of maybe getting up a little bit later and and the temptations to party and being around comedians who uh, aren't exactly well known for their discipline? Sure. Does that, is is that a tension of two different things there? Yes, totally. Talk to me about that. Well, I, I'm. I first of all, I used to be a janitor. I was a waiter. I was a busboy. I was a construction worker. So to me, being able to do comedy, if making it or not making it, it's a gift. It's a privilege. I'm a lucky guy that I get to do this, and I get to do it at this level. I'm doing these theaters now. It's it's mind boggling. So I am very, just I feel very grateful to be able to do comedy. Um, shit, I lost the question. <laughs> Is it a difficulty oh, excellence yeah. versus So the obviously I don't want to go to the gym, but I'll go for comedy. You know, so I can keep doing comedy. Because it'll facilitate your performance. It'll facilitate your performance. It'll it'll make you healthier, it'll make you stronger. You can do you can work longer. You know? So yeah, sure I want to get hammered. But if I get hammered, 
It'll hurt my show tomorrow. I'll be hungover. So I'll drink a little less. So it's all, this is what I'm saying about it. It gives you a goal. It gives you something to work towards. And I need that. So I, I've been, you know, I don't eat bread. I drink less. I've, I don't do blow uh, anymore or anything. So like I can really, I've really tamped down. I used to be an animal. So, and I'm, you know, 39 too. But this is in service of your craft. C- totally, totally. Like Seinfeld once said, he did the show Seinfeld and he named it Seinfeld just so it would help him sell tickets on the road. It wasn't like, oh, it's my ego. I need my name on it. He's like, oh, if I put my name on it, they'll they'll know my name. So when I go to that theater, they'll buy tickets. And that's how I feel. I'm like, I'm at the gym. I'm not like trying to get, I'm not trying to win Mr. Universe. I just want to be healthy so I can keep doing comedy. I've been thinking for a long time about, um, people treating their chosen pursuit like an athlete does. So if you think about how hard athletes work. Totally. Their sleep, their nutrition, the people that they spend their time with, their game tape that they watch, their mindset work. Maybe they're doing breath work or they're meditating. Yes. They're considering the hydration. They've got a routine. They've got a warm-up procedure that they go through in advance of doing the thing that they care about. Mm -hmm. And so few people, it seems, treat their thing that ostensibly is their life's calling with that same degree of preparedness. 100%. I completely agree, and that bothers me. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be a dick, but I see these comics, and they never write. They do the same jokes every time. They never try anything new. They, they're they drunk every time they go on. And I'm like, what do you expect to get out of it? You're going to get what you put in. So, like, then they go, oh, it must be nice to have what you have. I'm like, yeah, bitch. I, I wrote for three hours today. I worked this out. I've been slaving over this one joke for two years. You know, I'm, I'm working on it. Where were you? I did three cities this weekend. What did you do? So I hate when people get all uh, look must be nice because I'm like, no, no, this is it's kind of like when a fat guy goes, hey, it must be nice to have big guns. And you're like, yeah, well, I do the curls. You know, you're eating pasta. So that that bu- bugs me. But uh, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, you got to like you hear these Kobe stories about how he's the last guy in there and the first guy in there and da da da. And Dave Chappelle once said, if you're going to do stand up, take an acting class. And everybody's like, acting class? Because it'll help your impressions, your voices, your act-outs on stage. You know, always try to be a little better. And what the things you're not good at, go towards that and try to make those better. And then once you fix that, go to the next thing. So I'm all in on the uh, the work hard at the thing. Think Like an Athlete is just a really, really good Agreed. philosophy, I think. And here's the reason why I think most people don't, apart from the fact it's easy not to do it, but... The line between uh, your preparation, what you do in advance and all of that, and your performance is kind of wiggly. It's very messy. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are a powerlifter, right, yeah. that is 300 kilos. It's always going to be 300 kilos. It's 300 kilos for that guy. It's 300 kilos on Tuesday. It's 300 kilos in fucking Zambia. Yes, it's 300 kilos, right? That is nice. So you have a very objective metric of failure or success. It's like if you used to pick up that in training and then you didn't on game day, what did you do? Was it your sleep? Was it your hydration? Was it your mindset? Was it whatever it was, mm-hmm. nutrition, anything? But when it comes to podcasting or comedy or pretty much anything except for sport and maybe like like classical music right, players, right? I really, really thought about this to try and find like who who else is treating their pursuit with that level of um, precision. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and very few people because of that messiness and if you do underperform you're a, yes. a, a speech a motivational speaker or whatever and you get up on stage tomorrow and you just you sort of fumbling your words a little bit and you forget your lines and it doesn't really go down so well and you go well was it because i stayed up on my phone until four in the morning right 
Right. Oh, uh, maybe, but maybe not. And the criteria, you can always, there's always a get out of jail free card. Yeah, because it's subjective. Yes. Subjective things always will make you less uh, tenacious, I yep. think. Because yep. Colin Quinn once said, a lot of comics don't like to write because writing proves you're not a genius. Because you have to work on it and it's not perfect. You crumple the paper, you throw it out. But if you go, I'll just, I'll figure it out on stage. It's just, it makes it, it makes you get out of jail free. It's like, well, it didn't work tonight, but I'm tweaking. I'm working on it. It's like, no, 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 you got to work on it. You're just trying to take a shortcut or not do anything. So I completely agree. And that's why it's even more important for a comic to be disciplined because you got to do it for yourself. Because if you can't lift the weight, people go, all right, so you're, that's exactly how strong you are. You can lift that much. With comedy, it's like, okay, I bombed the night, but I did well last night, and I'm getting better, and, you know, I'm going through a lot right now. And you're like, all right, shut up, you're out. Yes, no one cares about the, the last performance, yeah. the, you know, the one before this bad one. It's how well did you do this evening? Exactly. That's why we love sports. You know, we love, okay, the, he got 200 points, he got 199. He won. Yes. You know, that's why we love UFC. He's laying on the ground, he's still standing. It's easy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think those things are getting more popular because we're getting in more of a uh, emotional-based world I think we're living in. I like the idea of um, the complexity of the world becoming more simple when you put rules to it. Yes. So within martial arts, within a UFC fight, there even within that, which is ostensibly like a fucking street fight that's televised and made legal there are still rules you know there's an amount of time right. that they're there for there's a weight category can't knee people when their head's on the ground you know yeah. there are certain things you can't bite them or kick them in the dick like there's certain stuff that you can and can't do and there are also relatively even that there's a little bit of you judges scorecard type thing but for the most part it's like if the guy's on the ground and the other guy stood up and everything was legal he won yeah. whereas for almost all of the rest of life Everything's super messy. Yeah. Like, how well did I do my morning routine? How good <laughs> was my interaction with my kids this morning? How uh, fantastic was my performance with my partner when we went out for dinner? And how present was I with that? Like, it's just fucking mess. It and is. chaos. That's why you need to have some rigidity in your life, just for your own self-discipline, your own, uh, you know, self-worth even. I ran five miles today, according to my GPS. Look at that. Or my step count, whatever. That's five miles. It's a hard, uh, hard number, right? You know, you need that. You know, it's it gets too wishy-washy with other stuff. Mm, I'm I, sure that guy liked me. Uh, yeah, whatever. Like, well, maybe he hated you. But y y people give themselves too much leeway, I think, on a lot of things. Without that forcing function or whatever you want to call it, like the the focus that you have that everything is being moved toward that's in service of mm -hmm. right without that um that's why i think you get listlessness if yeah. you don't have a thing that you're moving toward why do the hard stuff exactly and and that's that's kind of like a, a brutal realization because i think a lot of people have the capacity to do something or, or, or to to put themselves through really difficult things like a man with a strong enough why can bear anyhow type mm -hmm. scenario if you have that why, if you have a why, if you have no why, I can guarantee that the how is probably not going to be done. <laughs> there are very few people that can do a Goggins. I've, I've heard a rumor right. that he, for most of this summer, was uh, volunteering to fight fires in California being dropped out of a helicopter. Holy so he's hell. like a Bushman firefighter, <laughs> just psychopath, yeah. right? Like that's, that's him. Why? Because that's rare. Right, most people need it to be in service of a thing, not just in service of being a hard motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. Well, I don't you think there's a reason these type of guys are popping up? 
There was no Goggins in the 80s. I mean, you had like Mr. Universe or Jack LaLanne or guys like that, but you didn't have these Andrew Hubermans, these uh, God, these Sam Harrises who are just almost autistic-y. These are facts. This is reality. We need to live in this world. And people are clinging to these type of people because there's like, we need it. It's like you say, we're getting so uh, loosey-goosey with everything that that's why these guys are popular, I think. Oh, because they're creating order yes, from the chaos. Completely. That's and and we, we, we go, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. I needed that, you know? You're just reading Twitter. You, it's like going, you're going schizophrenic reading that shit. There's so many opinions coming at once. The news is all horrific. Mass shooting, kids in cages, Jewish space laser. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> and then you see Sam Harris. He goes, well, this is because of that, and that's why people do this. And Huberman's like, well, neurons in the brain fire. And you're like... Ah, oh, there's an answer. There's there's reasoning here. Yes, and we love it. And then Goggins is like, "Get your fat ass up. Get off the beanbag chair. Go do a sit up. You come guzzler." <laughs> and we go, "Yeah, I need somebody to yell at me. I got a hard on. <laughs> we need it." I've heard you say that uh, your biggest fear is an unlived life. And did um, I say that? You did say that. Although you may disagree with yourself, I, I do. <laughs> I, I do that a lot. Um, even if you didn't say that, or even if you don't no longer believe it. How how do you try and construct a life to ensure? Because I've heard you talk about adventures, like adventures yeah. like a drive for you, and you want to do sure. like a variety of things. Um, life is for living. But how do you how do you keep on doing that? How do you not be? You know, you can sit back. You've got the the YouTube channel and the specials, and people know you, and you you know got huge platforms on the biggest podcasts in the world. How do you not just sit back? Is it you know <laughs> well? I mean? That's all over. I got to do that. What's the next thing? Yeah, I was on a plane today with two comics who are also coming here, and they're getting dropped off at the hotel. They're like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast. Like, what? Why would you? Let's go get a drink or let's get dinner. I'm like, ah, I like this guy. I want to do do his podcast. And they're like, oh, that's so crazy. I'm like, yeah, but you guys are going to sit and eat a taco and talk about uh, the the bears. I'm going to go talk about cocaine bear with a guy (laughs) I've never met, you know? So I don't know. Let's try new things. And that's the beauty of comedy is I can, I'm gone to, you know, Amsterdam and Mexico and uh, Hawaii and all these places, China. I did comedy in China. I would never have gone there without comedy. So, yeah, let's live, baby. And and there's so many people in the cubicle and uh, the plus-size wife and the kids they hate and the tiny house and their fucking Subaru. I don't know. I want to mix it up. I think far more people than realize it would be able to achieve something great if they just had something to work toward. I agree. That's why I'm, again, thankful for comedy. Speaking of China, have you seen these videos that are coming out of people uh, protesting protesting against the lockdowns? I have. Dude, this stuff's proper harrowing. It's genuinely, yeah, there's a a really... Good for them. (laughs) Well, I suppose so, but the fact that it's got to this stage, people have been quarantined inside of their own flats for 100 days and they tied uh, metal wire around the door handles from the outside. What? So that people people have literally been locked inside. They've got these drones that fly over the streets and disperse some chemicals in a desperate attempt to try and kill the virus. No idea if it works. No idea what the chemicals are. Little kids are breathing this in. They've got these totally arbitrary quarantine areas outside in parks that are just for... Uh, bank barriers mm. and it's just a square with nothing in it and a sign on the outside it's just the most insane arbitrary rules wow run amok it's crazy that is wild that's movie shit that's yes. terrifying yes and good for them for protesting because china is very uh, obedient 
you know, generalizing, but uh, good for them. They're breaking free. And, and it's like we said before with the, uh, the policing of words, like, is this really for good or justice or is this something more behind this? And I feel the same way about this. Is this really for good? The chemicals and the hair, the, the shit on the handles and the doorknob, like you've gone too far. You've gone so far. Good. You're bad again. Yeah. You know, so think uh, about the price that those people good. need to pay to do that protest. You know, for all that there was, yeah. there was protests that happened in the U S and in, and in the UK and in Australia and people were unhappy about stuff. Like you weren't being tracked by, they have this, uh, gate tracking, uh, AI analysis from CCTV, even without seeing your face, with about a 95% accuracy, they can work out who you are just from the way you walk. Oh, geez. Kind of like a, a, a biophysical fingerprint of some kind, right? Mm. And uh, that's the price that they're paying. Wow. For pushing back. You know, they're going to have social credit right. score. They've got this digital health, what's it called? Digital digital health system, digital health, some bullshit. And uh, they're... Yeah, that's it. They're chanting, give me freedom or give me death. Whoa, good it's for them. fucking serious, man. Serious, that is serious shit, but they can't live like that. But I, I do feel bad for them because uh, I think we talk about how harsh we are with police. I'm sure those police are just coming down with the hammer. Yeah, game over. Yeah, yeah. so that is terrifying, but yeah, we can't live like this. We're losing our, literally losing our lives. And they're like, but you could die. I'm like, well, let me, let me take the risk. My body, my choice. Yeah. And I do think, look, I was a pan, you know, we had a pandemic and all that, and maybe we're still in one, but, and you wear the mask and you play ball and all that, but like, there's fucking limits here, folks. Let's not, let's not overdo it. Have you heard of frogging? Mm-mm. Okay. So I, I got told about this the other day. It's a pretty fucking harrowing story. So um, one of my friends was uh, in a relationship with some like famous pop star chick mm. and uh, he was staying at her house. While he was there, he was sunbathing. They were away and uh, he was sunbathing there. And this guy came through the hedge. He's like, that's fucking strange. It's a gated mm. community, like super expensive house and stuff. This guy came through, but he was in khakis or whatever, and he looked like a normal person. And uh, he was like, uh, can I help you? And this dude looked super shocked. He said, oh, is this not Scott's house? I'm looking for Scott. And he said, no, there's no Scott here. And he says, oh, uh, I, I came from next door. There's something must be, I, I'm sorry, I, I must have got confused or whatever. And my friend just had a bad feeling about it. He's like, there's something fucking, there's something up here. Mm-hmm. Something really, really, really up. Anyway. They uh, roll forward another couple of weeks, and he's still got this feeling in the back of his mind. Apparently, he's waking up in the middle of the night Whoa. like he felt like there was somebody in the room. And he's like, I'm being crazy. I'll go back to sleep anyway. And um, air conditioning goes out, so they need to get a pest guy and a air conditioning guy up. So go upstairs into the, the attic, and the he says he'll never forget the body language oh, of the air conditioning guy. Guy opens the attic door up, goes up, and apparently just saw him go like, like his whole body language just slumped. Oh my god! As this d- dude looks, so they I'm go up in, chills. They go up into the attic. This dude, this story really fucking disturbed me. Go up into the attic and they look, and he, the guy comes back down with his face just white, and he goes, uh, "Are you sure that you've never been up there? Are you? Is this a joke? Is this some sort of a joke?" And he's like, "No." And he's like, "I think that you probably need to call the police." And he's like, "Okay." Went upstairs. What had happened was some like fans or whatever of this particular person had been living in the attic of the house, writing manifestos about how they were going to kill this person. Oh! Creeping downstairs in the middle of the night, eating the food, and then going back up. 
dude. Oh my god. Frogging. I can't believe your friend was banging Madonna. <laughs> no. Um holy shit, is that right? Yeah. Well, we got robbed a lot when I was a kid and I I would wake up with people downstairs and you just know you're getting robbed and it's a fucked up feeling. Mm. So I, I can I walked in on a few robberies, you know, I'm like 9. I don't what know what's do? going on. Yeah, it's this big guy with a TV, and I'm like, hey, can I help you? And he's like, oh, I'm looking for your dad. And I was like, oh, let me go get him. And then he would just run out the backyard with a TV. <laughs> what about New York? New York's got some... New York, I've been robbed in New York. Got robbed. A uh, guy went through my window in my apartment, up the fire escape, opened my window, uh, walked on my bed, opened a drawer, had all this cash walked in the on your bed? Yeah, because my bed was in front of the window. So he opened it and walked on the bed. So I saw his footprints and dirt on the bed. And then... Didn't wake you up? No, I wasn't home. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Crazy story. My girl was living with me at the time. She came home, and she opened the door, and it hit a coffee table. He had put the coffee table in front of the door. And she's like, hey, what, why'd you put the coffee table in front of the door? And I'm like, get the fuck out of there. I knew exactly <laughs> what was going on. And then she's like, okay. She called the police. Please come. The window's wide open. And I'm such an idiot or a tard or an imbecile or a moron <laughs> that I had one drawer with, like, Six grand in it, uh, a bunch of shrooms, uh, fireworks, brass knuckles, all this dumb. All of my most prized possessions. (laughs) I had it all in there. 18-year-old boy shit, you know, baseball cards and a Playboy. Yeah. And he just scooped all the cash and left. Fuck. But then they caught the guy. They took one fingerprint and they caught him like six months later. Just an old crackhead guy. What? So let's say that uh, I'm going to New York next week, actually. What are the biggest do's and don'ts for me while I'm in New York? What should I, is there like a particular uh, energy level that I need to be on? Or are there some some of the biggest mistakes that I should and shouldn't make? Yeah, I will say the, it's all ticked up. The craziness is ticked up since the pandemic. Because the hobos ran the city. We all went indoors. So they just were running rampant. And now the city's back and they're still there. So there's a real clash of, of normies and hobo. And uh, the violence is way up. So I would say, have you been before? Yeah, a bunch of oh, times. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I would just say, don't do the subway after midnight. Why? Just because it gets cold and they go down there, and that's where the real action happens. That's like slashings and uh, shootings and whatnot. Jeez. Push you on the track. But I've heard that you've told stories before about how you needed to do that, because you were, was it Brooklyn you lived in yeah, for a while? Yeah, And presumably that's the only way. I mean, you're not walking to fucking Brooklyn. No, and I had no money for to get a cab out there because, yeah. you know, a little so more So what, what do you do if you have to go? Just for, hope for the best? Yeah. V for vendetta it? I got mugged uh, once on the subway. And that was my fault, actually. How was it your fault? Well, I was shithoused. <coughs> I, I drank too much back then. I was blacked out. I fell asleep on the train. I woke up to a guy on his knees doing the X-Acto knife around the pockets and I was like, oh, I stood up and I hit my head on the pole and I fell back down and kind of like knocked myself out. And he was super nice about it. He was like, he was so nonchalant. Like, oh, don't worry, the train will turn it back around. I'd gone all the way to the end, which is like Hang on, the terrifying. guy that mugged you made you feel comforted that yeah. you missed your stop. He was charming. He was like, don't worry, the train will turn around. You'll be all right. And then he but walked without away. without your wallet. Yeah, with all my shit. He had my keys and everything. He was just like, all right, don't worry, you'll be all right. <laughs> And I was like, thank you. <laughs> One of my friends who were at a, uh, a wedding in Barcelona. Barcelona is the robbery capital of Europe. Ah. And um, 
the kids there that are playing in the street, they'll be playing football between them. And they've got a whole system there where they'll kick the ball towards you. And you know that uh, sort of Cruyff turn thing where they jump on the ball and spin? Have you ever seen players do that to turn around players? They'll do that and they'll be able to do that up against you and take your wallet at the same time. It's like some fucking Oliver Twist style shit, right? It's elaborate. And uh, yeah, one of the guys doesn't usually drink and we were at this wedding and he, a big beard, sort of crossfitty guy, big sort of beard and slick over hair. Mm. And he decided he just wanted to have a little nap in Barcelona train station. He woke up to find that his wallet, his phone, and his shoes had been taken from him. So you now have this big beardy guy at seven in the morning walking around Barcelona city center. But the problem is he was staying in an Airbnb. He had no um, idea what the specific address of that was. Obviously there's no hotel name or anything you could go to. It's 1945, whatever, whatever, whatever street. And, um, so he's going up to people saying, can I please borrow your phone? But remember, we're in the robbery, robbery capital of Europe. Ah. So you have this beardy, non-native. Shoeless. With shoe, no shoes. Yeah. Walked holes in his Ralph Lauren socks. <laughs> like in a wedding suit. Oh my God. Just like the quintessential homeless guy that you're not going to give your phone to. Yeah. Trying to fight against the exact dynamic that's just robbed him of all of his possessions. Oh man, that's wild. How do you, what happened? He eventually went to a crossfit gym mm. asked one of the guys who's like i promise i'm the person that i say i am uh this is can you go on instagram that's me and they're like it does i mean you look like a disheveled version of this guy but yeah that is you yeah and they said can i please just borrow so it, interesting like lesson or whatever there is if you've got a little bit of whatever social capital people are prepared to do all sorts of stuff for you sure without that if you didn't have the online persona or right. wasn't well known like what do you do then and why is it that people are prepared to give a help it's like an assurance yeah. of some kind do you know what i mean that's totally true 100% and man good good for your friend to have a would you have a blue check yeah it's something like that yeah enough followers to to quantify that he wasn't going to run away with someone's with in no shoes right yeah that wasn't who's was going to do and finally something good came out of crossfit that's a first <laughs> but the blue check i used to be on all the dating apps back when i was a single guy and the girls would be like you have a blue check why are you even talking to me and i was like i'm a fucking douche i'm nobody but they thought the blue check meant i was hot shit you can so, buy it now you can just I buy know, it on twitter i know yeah those the, the fun days are over but you should have to earn it but elon's running out of money so i think he's trying to figure something out yeah he's got to get something working i've heard you say that uh an erection is basically an energy bar for a vampire oh yeah it's an old tweet yeah yeah uh, do you believe in ghosts no no not, not only do i not believe in it but i get annoyed when people do how so well i mean come on it's too convenient ghosts are too convenient oh there's a little girl living here and you're like well wouldn't thousands of people lived here from all the people who and why is it like always a little girl it's never like you know an old uh an old guy you know it's just oh a little girl oh i I can feel her presence but why wouldn't they be fucking with you more i don't know it's all too it's all too um, easy. Yeah. The same friend that told me that frogging story also told me one about where he stayed at this place in Birmingham in the UK. And th- he'd asked to stay in a particular wing of this sort of stately home. And there's a hotel on one side that's supposed to be really, really nice. And he really wanted to stay in this other one. His manager had managed to sort him in this room. And all manner of fucking shit ended up happening to him mm. while, while he was in this room. But it's like a thatched roof and... W- stone walls yeah so you go, well it doesn't seem like the sort of place that would have artificially and they didn't want to let him stay it was not you're not supposed to stay there they had to specifically bring a bed in just so he could do it 
Anyway, the doors start smashing open and closed, and the windows do. And then within the next week, uh, a ton of shit happens. Like, his whole life just fucking comes crashing down around him. Wow. And then he's walking through Hollywood when he gets back, and this gypsy lady comes up to him and says, sorry, I, I don't mean to disturb you. Should have a ton of kids with her. Uh, there's like a, you know you've got a dark shadow that's following you. <laughs> and she takes him in and does the thing. And I was like, fucking hell. And this guy is like super, super rational. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, again, for me, I'm very much like, if I can see it, if I can't see it, I won't believe it. But fuck, man, there's, I know there's something that sort of sure. really freaks me out to hear stuff like that. It I really get it. freaks me out. I believe in energies and vibes <coughs> and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things going on around. We're all connected, blah, blah, blah. But I do think a lot of this is we live on Earth for so long, coincid- coincidences are going to happen. Mm. But but maybe I'm a, I'm a, what do you call it, pessimist cynical are you just continuing to focus on comedy moving forward then that's the the sole pursuit and everything gets funneled toward that sure i mean i'd like to have a family one day because to me that's like some kind of toe in the normal pool you know like (laughs) my whole life is just walking around going act normal do what a normal person would do right now you know i'm at a wedding like all right don't make a pedophile joke and just get a cup of (laughs) get a cup of coffee and eat some cake and shut the fuck up so yeah, I I would like to have a family and not fuck that up and uh uh make but but just continue making comedy, making good comedy and hopefully hopefully people will come out and see me. I think that the the idea of having especially as a a guy now, I don't think there's mm, as many places that are firm for masculinity and men to kind of stand. It's like what's what's the role? You've outsourced resource acquisition to fucking Walmart and and Whole Foods. Sure. You've outsourced warfare and hunting to the police and the legal system, right? Uh-huh. Like the kind of the things primarily that we would have done ancestrally have kind of gone. Sure. In part. And uh, one of my friends, super successful guy, just in this relationship, he's completely smitten with this new girl of his. And uh, he was saying, it made a ton of money in his 20s. He's like, man, do you know what it is? I realized most of my 20s were spent making me into the kind of dad that I really wanted to be for my kids. Ooh, that's nice. I was like, that's fucking great. That's heavy. It's really, really cool to think that all of the fucking ridding yourself of the juvenile ideas that you've got and the fucking bad habits and getting the cocaine out of the way and, you know, the casual whatever and the sense of ego and need and all that shit. And you're like, oh, yeah. And now I can actually be... A good dad. Yeah. But I think for a lot of people, and I'm not, this is not a, a knock, but I think kids are a lot of people's goal. Yes. You know, we were saying we need a thing to shoot for and strive for. For a lot of people, it's a, a reproductive thing mm-hmm. that uh, they're trying to build up. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. No, I think the problem comes when people who don't see their kids necessarily as a, a worthwhile investment have the kids and don't have anything else because then you don't, there's just no push forward from the parents. And what do you create? You create an environment in which listless parents create listless kids. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think now we live in this time where there's so much modernity. It's almost like the China thing where we've given, we have so much technology, everything's so easy. You got Uber Eats. You know, you used to have to go out and kill a thing and now you gotta, you can just, you don't have to go get it now. You don't have to go to <laughs> McDonald's. They'll come to you. So I think that is really. As much as that helps us in life, I think it's hurt us too. One of my friends who I spent the weekend with uh, had a, has got a newborn who's six months old and weighs 25 pounds and wears two-year-old's clothes. Mm. This kid is huge. It's very cute and very well behaved. And yeah. I very much was like, oh, that's, right. that's nice. That's weird. That's, at what point 
something happens in men, and it's happened in me, where originally children are the things that your more mature male friends have that get in the way of you partying with them. Yes, right? Kids are yes. just this fucking annoying way that shakes the Etch-A-Sketch and yes. stops the life that you used to have. My business partner can't go out and party with me because he's got to look after the kids, mm-hmm. right? Like with his wife. And then something happens at, I don't know, like for me it was probably 30 or 32. Whereas like it went from kids being annoying to me actually looking at them going like, oh, yeah, they're kind of nice. I they're know. Like, and I can't, it feels a bit, I don't know. It breaks it up. Well, I was at Thanksgiving. I don't have kids, but my in-laws have kids and we're all at that age now. And they're running around and they're sword fighting and they got a, like a fake cape on, you know. I'm super and they're jumping off the couch and otherwise we'd be sitting there going, that's cold out. You know, it's really uh, unseasonably warm or whatever the fuck. Or did you see that uh, the World Cup? Oh, oh, how about the China with the lockdown, you know. But they, they, they get some energy into the room. And that's kind of nice. And we did it. We had our turn. Now it's now it's their turn. They can interrupt Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. We used to do that. We used to run around and, you know, scrape our knees and jump and climb a tree. And now they're doing it. Yeah. it's it, There's something strange about seeing that as a, a, a guy and f- remembering what it used to be like to not be so fussed about kids. Yes, yes. And to then see them and be like, I actually kind of, like, whoa, whoa, hey. Like, who is that? Like, yeah. Stop. But at the <laughs> same know. at the same time, you kind of like I I know the the fatherhood fucking key gets turned a yeah. little bit more, and you that, go, I can't wait, I can't wait to be a dad, man. I really, really can't wait to be a dad. Same be for a good you, dad. Yeah, I, th- I'm not, I don't know if I can. I, it's not I can't wait, but I think I think it's a good excited idea. at the prospect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think it's like oh shit, I lost my train again. I had a good train going, run a train. I can't remember, but. Uh, I think it's, uh, oh yeah, I think it's weird that when people make fun of old people, you hear that a lot, like, oh, it's like an old bag, and you're like, but don't you want to be an old bag? You know, like, we're gonna be that. It's weird to make fun of a thing you're gonna be. So I think it's the same with kids. Like, we all used to go, fuck kids, marriage is a stupid, antiquated idea. Maybe it is. But uh, I think you change. Like, didn't you have a nightclub at some point? Yeah. When you were 14, you probably never thought I'd be running a business. Yeah. You know, and so you just, you go through stages and uh, it's, it, you shouldn't sit around knocking stages that are up ahead because they're going to come. Yeah. Everybody can guarantee. There's two choices, right? Or there's two options. One of them is that you end up becoming the thing that you're currently taking the piss out of. Yes. And the other one is that you die too soon to reach it. Like, <laughs> exactly. Neither of those feel like something that you should really be taking too lightly. Yeah. There's a ageism Ageism is, is big. The one thing that nobody steps in for. Not really. I no. don't ever see anyone. You know, even the most ridiculous ism obier in the world, you know, there's someone mm. out there that's gonna stand up. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm for all of the jokes that I think are funny, like Joe Biden gets like yeah. it's, age is the primary issue that people are talking about. And like no one wants no one's defending that. Even the people who are on the same side of him are like, come on, the guy's like fucking hundred. I know. I think it's because it's the same way you can shit on kids. Oh, fucking kids, huh? It's because we were kids and we will be old. So I think it takes a little of the sting out of it when you will be that thing. You're not gonna be black, you know, <laughs> but you will be old. You couldn't say that about Michael Jackson though. Ah, all. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Good point. Well, gay. Also, also, actually, there's can... a lot of these that we can become. Yeah, maybe <laughs> the world's true. as free flowing as, yeah, we, as we, we think it is. Convert to Judaism. All yeah. of the, all of the above. Um, yeah, it's 
it's strange to think about the the whole like ageism and and an aging out thing. Speaking as well about sort of taking the piss out of it. Do you know why, or one of the evolutionary explanations for why we have menopause or why women go through menopause? No. So it's called the uh, grandmother hypothesis. So you can imagine women contribute kids after they get to a certain age, they'll contribute kids to the tribe. And you need that because you need the tribe to keep them moving forward. You need to continue to fill them as people age out and die and get gored by a mammoth or whatever. Mm. Uh, But after a certain age, women, it turns out that it's very hard to raise kids. So you need to have... Uh, parenting shared between a lot of the women and the men contribute sometimes as well. But if every woman continued to just add more mouths to feed, you would end up with more mouths than there are energy to be able to give to them. So what you actually need is for women who still have the maternal mothering impulse and they're invested in their daughters and then their daughter's daughters, Mm -hmm. but are not adding more mouths into that pool to be fed. Ah. So the grandmother would be able to contribute to caring and gathering and helping fucking sort shit but doesn't continue to add more children in. It's called the grandmother hypothesis. I like it. I it's think cool. that's pretty good. Yeah. Now, what does that say for Viagra, though? <laughs> because we can, we our dicks stop working eventually, you know, to a degree. And you artificially give it another bit of juice. Is that is that bad for the uh, for the society? I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess you can wear a condom. Male sperm does decrease in terms of quality. It does decrease True. after a, after a certain time. Uh, that being said, my friend who's got the the baby who who was uh, very large and, and pretty cute uh, is in his sixties. What? Yeah. Wow. Baby's perfect. Super super cute. Uh, amazing dad. Amazing mum. You go. I don't know, man. Like yeah, technology. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, look at Nick Cannon. Who's that? Oh, who's Nick Cannon? He's who's a Nick he's an entertainer, but he's one of these guys. He's all about procreating, and he I think he has fifteen kids or something. Wow! It well, like Elon's a, got ten. Elon's got ten. He's another one of these procreating guys. So I don't know. I think it's at some point it's kind of child abuse. What do you mean? Well, maybe Elon's obviously a zillionaire, so he can afford it. But I think you know if you want to be able to be around for the kids, see the kids, raise the kids, get to know the kids. But if you have that many. And you work as hard as he does. It feels like it's tough to get to know them all. You're going to spread the resources a little bit too. Yeah. Thin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you're going to farm it out to mom or nanny or girlfriend or whoever. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I would like to have a, the amount of kids I can actually be there for. Yeah, I think I think that seems to make sense. Look, dude, let's bring this one home. I really appreciate nope. you. Thank you for seeing me before your show tonight. Thank you for having me. And, and uh, it's, it's cool. I've been watching on YouTube, so it's fun to talk to you. Thank you. Uh, where should people go? They want to check out the shit you do. Where should they go? Uh, MarkNormanComedy.com uh, for dates. And I have a po- I have two pods. We might be drunk. And uh, Tuesdays with stories. And I'll see you on the road. Praise Allah. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget that you can get the Whoop 4.0 for free and get your first month for free by going to join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. You can get a 37% discount on everything from my protein by going to bit.ly slash proteinwisdom and the code modernwisdom at checkout. And you can get a 20% discount on House of Macadamia's nuts at houseofmacadamias.com slash modernwisdom and the code MW20 at checkout. I'll see you next time.